Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sports Beat Radio today, the Friday, the 22nd of September, 2023. Thanks so much for joining us on this segment of Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports. Our theme music isn't working, so I figured I would just delve in and get going with the show. Uh, our show today is about who is considered the greatest baseball player of all time. Now, you know, when we, when we talk about that, that's always a touchy subject because everybody has an opinion. And, you know, some of the most heated arguments that I've heard over the years uh, in sports bars or people talking about sports or even, you know, fifth graders, 10 years old, who were arguing about who's the best player. Um, I don't know that there is really any kind of a measuring stick for it, but we did do a show not long ago. We actually we did another show very similar, and that was uh, the greatest players are the ones that seem to revolutionize the sport, that, you know, change the sport in some way. Their, their, their prowess on the court or the ice or the field or whatever they're doing uh, sets them apart from everyone else. And, of course, you know, when we look at names in sports, we think of Babe Ruth. And, you know, I think there's probably some people, some young people that may not even know what position Babe Ruth played, but yet they remember him. You know, we remember him like we remember Beethoven and Bach, even though, you know, we may not be able to uh, mention one piece that either one of them wrote. We know who they are. You know, if you were uh, walking down the boardwalk, let's say, on a seaside resort and somebody had a uh, a ledger and said, you know, do you know who Bach is? I think everybody would say, yeah. You know, do you know who Babe Ruth is? I think everybody would say yes. But uh, the problem, uh, you know, with that is that who is? How do we determine? And, you know, uh, George Mikan was the first big man star in the NBA. I mean, the rules were changed because of George Mikan. He was so powerful. Uh, and later, Wilt Chamberlain. And then on the ice, you know, Rocket Richard back in the 50s and early 60s for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, they called him Rocket because it looked like he had rockets on his skates. The guy could skate like you wouldn't believe, and he scored a lot of goals. Bobby Orr after him. Gretzky after him. Then, of course, you know, you look at football, and, uh, you know, you had Jim Thorpe of the early days, and then you had, uh, you know, some of the other great players. Jimmy Brown, of course, who only played eight seasons and yet was, uh, you know, uh, unbelievably revolutionized sport. People uh, came to see Jimmy Brown, even those who were, the, you know, uh, coming to uh, if Cleveland was the visiting team. And coaches put their defense not around the Cleveland Browns, but around Jimmy Brown because he was so predominant, you know. So when you look at it, um, how do we go about figuring out who is the greatest, who is the greatest player of all time. And as I said, you know, there's a lot of arguments about it. Uh, and today we're talking specifically about baseball, not the other sports. And, you know, Babe Ruth comes to mind. Now the top five uh, considered are supposed to be Babe Ruth, 
and then you have Ty Cobb, uh, then you have Walter Johnson, who was supposed to be there, and then you have Willie Mays, who, of course, uh, in his day was uh, pretty predominant. You know, some of these athletes played too long, like Willie. He was really a shell of himself by the time he got to the Mets. Uh, you had Joe Namath, who wasn't, you know, I wouldn't consider him one of the greatest players of all time, but Joe Namath kind of outplayed his ability, the bad knees, you know, once he got traded from New York to Los Angeles. And the glitziness of L.A., it just didn't work out. Plus, they didn't have a very good team then. So how do we determine it? How do we look at it? Well, you know, it's difficult to say um, because everybody is prone to an error. And when you look at Babe Ruth, for instance, who's really on the top of the list as one of the greatest players, and you have to remember that Babe Ruth wasn't just a, a great hitter. Uh, he did everything well. He was also a great pitcher. Now, sports radio personalities, many of them who have egos you know, past their eyebrows, all said that, no, you know, Babe Ruth couldn't hit today because nobody pitched 90 or 100 miles an hour. First of all, you don't know that. Now, probably the average speed in those days probably was 80, maybe 90 miles an hour. Uh, Walter Johnson was a pretty big man. Babe Ruth was certainly not small. And so the pitchers of the day, even though they may not have had the speed of the pitchers of today, they had uh, control. They knew how to pace themselves. They knew how to throw certain pitches that would catch you. And so Babe Ruth... A lot of people didn't realize they did tests on Babe Ruth back in the 30s, I believe it was, and it could have been a little bit later, and they measured his peripheral vision. That is the side vision that athletes have to have, particularly football running backs, you know, when they're running the ball and they see somebody out, we call it the corner of your eye. You know, you can see them out of the corner of, of your eye, even though you can't really see them, you can make them out, you can make out the motion. And when they ascertained all of the evidence, it turned out that Babe Ruth had about a 15 to 17 percent better uh, perception visually than the average human. And so it allowed him, and there were times when Babe Ruth said he could see the stitches on the ball. I'm not sure he could. There, there was a hockey player uh, I can't remember who he was. He was a goaltender in the NHL, said that he could actually see the logo on the puck as it was coming in, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, why would he say that? Uh, but it also makes, you know, people look better than they are. So Babe Ruth had that pear shaped, you know, that uh, kind of an interesting body, the thin legs, the thin arms, the robust middle, but he had tremendous wrist speed, small wrists, but powerful, powerful forearms that allowed him to kind of ha be anticipatory of, uh, pitchers. And so I think sports radio personalities who say, uh, who think they know it all and say that, you know, you know, Babe Ruth couldn't hit today are probably mistaken because he was a great hitter. Ty Cobb was an unbelievable hitter. As a matter of fact, he was the all time leader for many, many years, one of the greatest hitters of all time. Another one was Shoeless Joe Jackson, part of the 1919 Chicago White Sox. They called them the Black Sox, who threw the World Series against the Reds for money. But Shoeless Joe Jackson was uh, a sensational hitter, and Babe Ruth. 
uh, always commended him. As a matter of fact, Babe Ruth kind of emulated the style of shoeless Joe Jackson. And then there were the Negro Leagues, where you had some great, great hitters who were really unknown because the white community didn't really follow them. The white uh, Major League Baseball didn't really recognize them. We didn't really recognize the Negro Leagues until, I think, the 70s. And their contribution, you know, was monumental. And, of course, uh, some of them came over from those leagues into uh, the ma- major leagues uh, after it was integrated by uh, Jackie Robinson and became great stars. Josh Gibson was one of them. Uh, there's a place in Belmar, New Jersey, which is right near the post office, and uh, it's been documented that Josh Gibson hit a home run there 500-plus feet. Now, we'll never know, but it is documented. People said they saw it. And there are historians there who kind of abide by the story. Uh, He was a great, great hitter. So, you know, who is the best baseball player? Well, you know, Christy Matheson came to mind. Uh, Tom Seaver came to mind. But, you know, the the, the situation with, with certain players is that they do one position. Babe Ruth played many positions. It wasn't unusual in those days for players to play more than one position. It's like a musician who is considered sensational. Uh, I've always looked at musicianship, let's say guitarists, for instance, as being capable of being an all-round musician. That is, they can play any style. Jose Feliciano, Tommy Emmanuel. uh, I never heard Jimi Hendrix play jazz. So I can't put him up there, although, you know, what he did was great, and he, he was idolized by a lot of his peers. Uh, I don't know that uh, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin uh, is up there. I've never heard him play other things, although he's one of the most creative guitarists in his idiom, in his genre. So to me, a great musician is somebody who can play all the styles and can solo and back up and do rhythm and everything else. And in baseball, somebody who can do what they do very well, not in a limited scope, but in a uh, kind of an all-around scope. And so Babe Ruth was, was one of them. You know, when you look at the stats, you know, as, as far as uh, who has, uh, you know, one of the great stats, Cy Young, the major league record holder for most career wins, Innings pitch, complete games. I mean, what's a, what's a complete game? And then uh, Barry Bonds comes to mind. Undeniably one of the most accomplished hitters. He hold, held numerous records and accolades. Barry Bonds holds the all-time record for the most home runs in a single season, 73. And the most career home runs, 762. Also has the highest career on base percentage, but he his his legacy was tarnished by so-called steroids. So is he the best batter of all time, whether we recognize it or not? Pete Rose, who was a sensational hitter. I believe Pete Rose had maybe 160 home runs in his whole career. He played with two teams, Cincinnati and Philadelphia. But he sprayed the ball everywhere. A sensational all-around player. Uh, A sensational player. 
you know, just a, a great player, you know, that head first slide. So, you know, Cy Young is one of those. And then, you know, some people will say, you know, who are the best 10 players of all time? Uh, the list, according to the New York Times, was 10th Roger Clemens. He had a 24-year career. He had 4,672 4, strikeouts. Hannes Wagner has to come into the picture. number of modern fans probably know him. Best is subject of most valuable baseball card, of course, in history. Uh, that was the rare 1909-1911 T206 Wagner card that was produced by the American Tobacco Company. It got $2 million in a sale. So if you had one, you were uh, a millionaire. You're the Flying Dutchman. He batted 328 at the time of his retirement. He was uh, killing in the dead ball era. And that was an era where, you know, the, the, the ball, the same ball was used for all the game. In those days, you had to give the ball back if it was foul or home run. It wasn't like today. Uh, they would go out and get the ball from you, and they would continue to play it. They'd probably use, if they were lucky, three baseballs in a game. It wasn't like today. And the ball would, you know, get lopsided and hard, and if it was wet, you know, it, it was hard to hit and hard to throw, and some of the stitches might come off. That was the dead ball era where Hannes Wagner kind of, you know, changed things. And yet Stan Musial, you got to bring him into the picture. One of the greatest uh, person on the list, Stan Musial, was a historically good player as well as a model citizen. All that stuff comes into play. And he played 22 seasons with the Cardinal franchise. And he's linked uh, in his town as the athlete, uh, one of the great athletes of all time. He led the Cardinals to three World Series, uh, 42, 44, and 46. He racked up as many MVP awards in 1943, 46, and 48, and he was a 331 hitter. He had a keen eye for the ball. The single-season strikeout total was a paltry 46 in 505 plate appearances. And as a 41-year-old who started the Cardinals outfield, he still hit 330. His hitting was so consistently good that opponents often resigned themselves to their fate, as noted by pitcher Carl Erskine. He said, I've had pretty good success with Stan by throwing him the best pitch and backing up third. You have to bring, of course, Ty Cobb that we've mentioned before. Ty Cobb was a 366 hitter, 366. Average, a ridiculous 12-time batting title in his 24-year career. And he was not just a singles hitter, like some of the radio personalities say. He led the AL in slugging percentage. He batted over 400 in three seasons, 1911, 1912, and 1922. 420, 409, and 401, respectively. In addition to his batting average, he retired in 1928 as the all-time leader in hits, 4,100. And 89. Runs scored 2,246. Stolen bases 892. Talk about Ricky Henderson. All of which were broken only late in the 20th or early in the 21st century. And you had Walter Johnson, we, we mentioned, was a generational talent, as they call him now, who defined dominant pitching for years. He was so great that he led the AL in strikeouts more often than not, topping the league 12 times over the course of his 20-year career. Pitching his entire professional life for the Washington Senators, they called him the big train. He threw 110 career complete shutout games. 110. Still the most in Major League history and a record that will never probably be broken. And uh, Clayton Kershaw 
has 15 over eight and a half seasons. In 1913, he won 36 games with a 1.14 ERA and an eye-popping 0.78 whip, walks and hits per inning, pitched. A whip below, so those of you who know, below 1.00 is considered stellar. So he won the Chalmers Award. That was considered the equivalent of the modern MVP. He took a second MVP in 1924 as he led the Senators to their first World Series. Johnson's 3,509 career strikeouts set a record that lasted 56 years, and his win total of 417 is second only to Cy Young. And, of course, we have to bring up Hank Aaron. Hammer and Hank, the title, the home run king. Tremendous power hitter, arguably one of the best hitters of all time, 755 career homers. His all-time best, 2,297 runs batted in and 6,856 total bases are, of course, indicative of his legendary power. But he also put up a solid career, 305 batting average, and won three gold gloves for his play in the outfield. And the consistently great Aaron was selected to the All-Star Game 21 straight seasons and hit at least 30 home runs in 15 seasons. In addition to his standing records, Aaron finished his career in 1976 with what were then the second most hits, 3,777, and runs scored 2,174 in Major League history. Of course, we've got to bring up Ted Williams. He's been the greatest, considered the greatest power hitter who ever lived. 482 lifetime on-base percentage is the highest of all time, and he ranks in the top 20 in total runs scored, home runs, runs batted in, and walks despite having missed almost five full seasons of his prime to military service. The Splendid Splinter, that was one of his names, was renowned for his uncanny eye like Babe Ruth, which helped him post the last major league season with a 400 batting average, 406 in 1941 overall, the Red Sox icon led the American League in batting average six times, slugging percentage nine times, and on base percentage 12 times in his 19-year career, not content with simply being the best hitter ever. Williams also had been called both the best fisherman and best fighter pilot, despite all the accolades. He had a notoriously prickly relationship with the public, but as a famed author, John Updike put him when Williams refused to come out for a curtain call after hitting a home run in a final at bat. Gods do not answer letters. That's what uh, Updike said about him. Um, yeah, he, he was kind of an odd guy with with people. He didn't like adulation. He didn't like people coming up to him for autographs, although I, I do remember him signing some, particularly for kids. Uh, what an accomplished guy. Uh, I had spoken to Bobby Orr of uh, the Boston uh, Bruins, one of the great uh, defenseman of all time, maybe the greatest defenseman of all time, who had some great stories about uh, his ability as a fisherman, that is Ted Williams, master fisherman, fighter pilot. And, you know, you got to admire these guys in those days. They gave up their careers to fight for the country. You know, how many athletes today would do that? Ted Williams, he's got to be on the list. And we spoke of Bonds, and... You know, he was cantankerous, preening, and almost assuredly a steroid user. Not exactly the kind of guy who should get the benefit of the doubt and earn spot uh, number three on the list. Barry Bonds is, in the eyes of many fans, the poster boy for the steroid era and supposedly uh, illegitimacy. 
But while he was already a surefire Hall of Famer before the alleged began juicing, the steroids would have had no effect on the unparalleled eye-hand coordination and produced an all-time high 2,558 career walks and a staggering 444 lifetime on-base percentage. And that's the thing about steroids. You can never definitely say exactly what impact they have on a player's performance. So let's just appreciate the incredible stats that he piled up, an unsurpassed 762 home runs, including a single-season record 73 in 2001, as I said earlier, a record seven career MVP award, 688 intentional walks, which is more than double the amount given to the player with the second-most all-time and striking testament to the unparalleled fear Bonds instilled in opposing pitchers. I saw him in Philadelphia against the Phillies. Uh, He was up four times. They walked him three times. And on the last at bat, he hit a towering shot to center field where we were sitting. <laughs> of course, somebody took the ball, caught the ball, and threw it back. Which is, uh, I believe that that custom started in Chicago with the Cubs. The enemy player hits the home run, and you get it and throw it back. And if you don't, you'll be at the wrath of the fans booing you constantly. Then we have the say, hey, kid, Willie Mays. Unlike his grandson, or God, godson, I should say, uh, Barry Bonds is his godson whose father, Bobby, was Willie Mays' teammate, for those of you who didn't know, 1968-72. Mays needs to be subjected to no mental gymnastics to justify his place on the list. And not only did Mays rack up his astounding totals at the plate, including 3,283 hits, 660 home runs, and 1,903 runs batted in, but his outstanding play, as we remember, in the outfield, center field produced 12 consecutive Gold Glove awards from 57 to 68, and led many observers to call him the greatest all-round player the game has ever seen. In fact, the most iconic moment in May's career, and one of the most iconic in baseball history, and you probably guessed it, came on that defense, is over-the-shoulder catch at the warning track in the eighth inning of a tied 1954 World Series game that helped the Giants win that contest and eventually a championship. And that was only a title of his career, but a relatively lack of team success does nothing to tarnish the reputation of a 20-time All-Star and two-time MVP from 1954 to 65. And then, of course, we come to the focal point, Mr. Ruth. There's no brainer here if there was ever one. Yes, he played among an artificially limited talent pool before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 47 and decades before advancing training regiments produced athletes who looked like, well, athletes, but Ruth was such a historic talent that he transcends those qualifiers. In fact, his arrival in the major leagues was so seismic that it marked the end of the dead ball era. He actually got us out of it with his towering hits. And when he joined the majors in 1914, the all-time record for home runs in a season was 27. Within seven years, he had more than doubled it with 59, and he eventually produced a personal high 60 dingers in 1927, all told. He led the American League in home runs 12 times. He was such a prodigious power hitter that his outstanding 690% career slugging percentage remains the best of all time, and the gap between his mark and second place is larger than the one between second place and ninth. Oh, and he was also a great pitcher, as I mentioned earlier, for those who didn't know, during his early years, leading the American League with a 1.75 ERA in 1921, and pitching 29 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings across two World Series, because when you dominate the game as much as Babe did, you may as well do so 
uh, in all facets. And moreover, the charismatic, uh, charismatic, I should say, Ruth was the first transcendent American sports superstar, routinely garnering headlines across the country for both his on-field exploits and his off-field celebrity. His play with the storied Yankees teams of the 20s catapulted baseball to the prominence in the national consciousness that it still enjoys today. Not only was Ruth the greatest place baseball player of all time, but he was the most important, too. And, I, you know, we can sit and argue all this. Um, I would have to say that Babe Ruth probably was the greatest of all time. And we can't, we can't you know, knock the era um, all right, there may not have been 100-mile-an-hour pitchers, but a lot of the pitchers there were very crafty. Uh, you never knew what they were going to throw at you. And I think in baseball, as a hitter, facing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and facing a pitcher who has two or three or maybe four pitches and you have to guess which one he's going to throw is just as hard to do. And I think Babe Ruth could have hit any era. Ty Cobb, any era. Shoeless Joe Jackson, any era. Walter Johnson probably could have pitched today, just like Bob Gibson could have and all those other great pitchers, Juan Marichal. I think they could have pitched today because they knew how to pace themselves. They had an arsenal of pitches. They didn't throw... 100 miles an hour in every pitch. And what's the result? Look what we have today. We have dead arms. Tommy John surgery, every one of them. Who's next for Tommy John? Some some players, some pitchers in baseball have, have had two Tommy John surgeries. So when you're looking at who is the greatest of all time, my list would probably be Babe Ruth, I would say Ty Cobb, I would say Pete Rose, I would say Willie Mays, I would say Walter Johnson for just the incredible stats that he had. Um, you know, I would say Hank Aaron, who are the monumental figures, probably secondary to them, Roberto Clemente, who I thought was one of the great, he was my idol as a Pirates fan for many, many years. Um, just a sensational all-around player. And I always like to think that people who do what they do well are all around, like musicians, you know, who can play any kind of style. You know, if you play one style well, you're, you're good. But when you can play, play many styles well, you're a virtuoso. And I think that's what those men were. Um, I think you have to include Bonds for his for just his ability to be able to hit the ball the way he did, regardless of whether he was juiced or not. And so the list is, you know, goes on and on. I mean, people will say Carl Yastrzemski and Al Kaline, you know, and uh, you know the list goes on. I mean, we could have a list, you know, all around the world and 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 argue it. But those particular players, I think that we mentioned, are some of baseball's greatest greatest players. And among them, uh, even though, uh, you know, he had uh, problems, uh, he was a womanizer, an adulterer, uh, he, that is Babe Ruth, um, you know, he had his problems, he was a tremendous lover of children, 
He would take kids in his car. He was making $10,000 a year in the 20s, which was a fabulous amount of money. Nobody was even coming come close. And he would take kids in his car and take them and buy candy and ice cream, uh, mainly because of his own misgivings as a uh, an orphan, uh, having a very, very uh, sad and tragic uh, life uh, in the, and being made fun of when he went to uh, the orphanage school uh, because he was heavy. And uh, look what he became, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, baseball player of all time. And so, you know, we all have our our moments as to what we think should be there. Uh, but I think when you look at the what I had mentioned with the stats and everything with Babe Ruth and those players, I think that you'll find that, uh, yes, you know, indeed, those are the players uh, that should probably get the best accolades. Well, we got our music back, which is great. And, of course, that is the sign that our show is uh, over. If you missed it last night, the uh, San Francisco Giants, I should, excuse me, the San Francisco 49ers uh, had uh, handed it to the New York Giants. Uh, the uh, 49ers look like a team that is uh, to be reckoned with in the NFC. Not really many teams in the NFC that are uh, more competitive this year. I think the AFC has it over them. But uh, the Giants lost last night uh, in, uh, you might say, kind of an ass-whipping. Uh, most people, I think, uh, expected it. We'll have to see the big game now Sunday between the Jets and the Patriots as the Patriots have won seven straight years, 14 games. Can the Jets get off the schneid? We'll find out. Sports Beat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sports Beat Radio. And until next time, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you again.